Hello, and welcome to the Unriveted Podcast, where we talk about technology initiatives around artificial intelligence, digital transformation, and people. Today, our podcast has a sponsor, and it's the it's the Substack blog called What Did OpenAI Do This Week? Hey, John, what are we hey, going to talk about? Glad you asked. So the What Did OpenAI Do This Week newsletter um, has shared an article that I think uh, we're going to have a little commentary on. It's called Will OpenAI, as in the company OpenAI, uh, makers of chat GPT and other GPT models, will open AI be forced to open up? So uh, in recency, a 157 page class action lawsuit, and no, we will not be reading through the entire 157 page class action lawsuit in today's podcast. Um, <laughs> we'll add that to the appendix uh, for another time. Uh, they are currently going under a class action lawsuit for $3 billion filed in the Northern District of California, uh, of a collective of individuals that uh, do not believe that the means that OpenAI use to obtain the information they need for training models such as ChatGPT was done in a legal matter. Uh, and that is the the uh, uh, impetus for today's conversation. What do we think about that? You know, John, I, I took a few moments to uh, to crack open that 157-page uh, uh, document, and I, a few things stood out as quite interesting for me. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not judge, jury, and executioner here, but uh, I don't know there's a lot to stand on. I'm I'm just putting it out there, John. I I just don't know. There's a lot to stand on there. There the substance may not be in this 157 pages. It may actually be missing from the appendix for this too. But let me let me cut to the chase of some of the cliff notes that I have on this. One is some initial given initial uh, not named but initials of people given as uh plaintiffs a list of them mm -hmm. uh so they're not fully identifiable which is i guess standard operating procedure here until they actually get into a deposition or, or litigation uh in person but the grounds that are brought up about scraping data that may be publicly accessible already is the first problem i think might be difficult to go after open ai for specifically it seems more mm -hmm like the platforms where that data is held would be the ones most responsible or more likely to come after open AI. If that made sense to you, like, I mean, I have a Twitter account. They're claiming like scraping a Twitter. I don't mm -hmm. have a Tinder account, John. Do you have a Tinder account? <laughs> Not anymore, Martin. <laughs> Not anymore. Okay. It comes so, and goes though. You know, it comes and goes. Maybe ask me next week. Maybe I'll tell you a different story or maybe I'll never tell you the truth because you know, I uh, want to avoid the uh, public ridicule anyway. <laughs> sure. And then I think it notes Facebook posts. And I'm thinking, you know, I think the platforms that have that data are the ones that are most likely to be more upset 
that their re representation of data might be there uh, and may have more ground to stand on than the individuals holding it within those platforms. I, I, I don't know what paradigm they're gonna use to decide this case. I think there's some data missing to go after this as invasion of privacy, specifically when things are opened up. And even in Twitter, I think we caught today that you can read posts, uh, you know, tweets without uh, mm -hmm. having an account now. That opened up as of today with uh, Elon Musk saying the, you know, not him saying, but that was silently announced that they're letting you be able to see tweets without a, a login. So there you go. I mean, oh, really? what, what can you do with this, John? Yeah, you know, I, I I tend to agree with you, and I haven't read uh, the entire um, complaint, class action complaint, but uh, it does seem a bit frivolous uh, of sorts. You know, you go through each individual plaintiff, again, identified only with their initials, um, and each plaintiff has about two or three bullet points kind of outlining their position in the case. And, you know, I'm looking at a couple of these right now. And uh, most of them, you know, they're referencing uh, social media websites, Facebook, you know, Snapchat, Spotify, YouTube, anywhere that there's some path for a user to upload their own content to. And most of them, uh, you know, I'll read, I'll read one right here. So a plaintiff, SJ, uh, says prior to 2001, the plaintiff engaged in a variety of websites and social media applications. Some of those I just named. I'm obviously paraphrasing this. Uh, plaintiff SJ reasonably expected that the information he exchanged with these websites would not be intercepted by any third party looking to compile and use all his information and data for commercial purposes. So I think the wording of that is a little... Uh, a little off, right? Because I don't think his data was intercepted. You know, it goes back to your point is when you sign up for a social media website, you know, you have to, you know, there's terms and conditions uh, that we most likely are just scrolling through and probably not really reading and clicking the accept button because, you know, we want to start matching with our Tinder dates as fast as possible, right? Like that's, <laughs> you know, we can't, we can't wait for that. So I, I, I think you're right. It's more of the uh, the media platforms that could be at fault here. But again, are they at fault, or is what they did covered under their you know terms and conditions um, that a user agrees to when they sign up for the website? I, I agree. This this is going to be an interesting to watch. I don't know if this is going to have enough substance to be a landmark case on its own, but. It'll be fun to watch the spiral on it. I, I think there's some <laughs> clauses that I, I jumped ahead, you know, page 61, and it talks about uh, deployment and getting hate and bias and, and pulling things like that at, from defendants, uh, you know, their own typed words that they may have written or, or some graphic they may have posted. You know, if you post something and you don't want people to see it, I think the easiest fix is don't post it and don't say it. I mean, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, you know. people seem to forget that the internet is a place where content does not go to die, but lives on forever. Uh, and whether it's living on in infamy or not, you know, maybe that's subjective opinion. But yeah, if it's out there, 
it's going to be it, someone's going to find a way to use it. And in fact, you know, the people that are complaining about their social media information being used, and I think you and I might have talked about this, you know, every time you go on to social media, you know, you're bombarded with with ads and and other recommended content. That those recommendations and those ads, you know, that content is definitely coming from some uh you know, some personal information that uh, you've probably provided to the website's information through your browsing. You know, we're generating information every single moment of the day, whether we're online or not online. So, you know, to go after these, to go after OpenAI and, and Microsoft uh, for using that information to train a model, de-identified, right? There's no PII. If you go to chat GT, GPT and ask, how do I repair a 1965 Mustang carburetor? And just, <laughs> I don't know why I came up with that. But and if you use do a, that. And using a blowtorch and propane yeah. uh, into the carburetor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to say, uh, well, according to Sean Jones, SJ, uh, from 19752, you know, Mulberry Lane in Springfield, Illinois. This is how John, you do it. That's your neighbor. <laughs> that was now, you know what? We're going to find out that that's a real person that really exists, and they're going to come and they're going to file a lawsuit against you, you and me. <laughs> but I, I, you know, it's like it's already de identified. You know, it's not like the information that's being used to train these models is regurgitating that exact information. It's used in aggregate. And that's, you know, that's just like going and answering an online survey. Uh, no one's pulling your individual uh, responses out of that data set and using them and referencing you specifically. So I think what we're seeing is maybe like the growing pains of people trying to come to grips with with how AI is trained. But I think even more so, um, and I'll refer back to uh, the what did OpenAI do this week uh, newsletter. Uh, they have kind of their own commentary at the end of this article. And uh, it says, so what? It says, well, while this is likely a cash grab, the gold rush is unlikely to be fast until OpenAI opens up its black box to show where their data come, uh, came from for training their models. So maybe it's just people looking for money. Never heard of that before. It sounds like, you know, the ambulance <laughs> chase of the day, right? So uh, not, not, not. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, for every job that AI makes obsolete, a new one will emerge, right? So now you have AI ambulance chaser, right? Or AI, I mean, there's, I'm sure there'll be lawyers that are very specific into AI law, which is probably still being written or, and if it is being written, it's probably being written by ChatGPT. So. <laughs> I, I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm not Judge Wapner or, uh, you know, Steve Harvey <laughs> sitting on the bench, but you know, I think there's an easy sidestep here for the people's lawyer and the people's court people thinking out there going, mm -hmm. you know, we're really not, you know, as as a proponent of a double air quoted AI solutions, I would come out as as a defendant saying, you know, it's not truly AI. It's just computationally assisted decision making that we use. It's not truly right. artificial intelligence. And that almost right. negates half the argument right there. And then you get into, well, what does that mean? And then you get into that and go into the the bowels of the invention and you start saying 
really it's it's publicly found data. We're representing it in a way that is a little more focused. Maybe it's got mm-hmm. some output you don't like. I get that. These aren't necessarily hallucinations, but it's reporting information. It doesn't necessarily have the rights to report. That's a different problem versus freely grabbed information. So, John, right. I, I don't know. I don't want, even as as a people people's court lawyer, I might throw this one out. Yeah, I, I'm thinking that's probably what's going to happen. It'll be interesting to follow up on this and, and keep track of it, uh, because obviously, you know, I, I see what they're what they're doing, and I don't disagree with the fact that we do need guardrails and safeguards and checks and balances in place for how we manage um, AI systems, be it through training or or you know the actual use cases that they were designed for, and when they're out there in the wild. Uh, and I think we're going through that, you know, that um, growth phase right now. I don't know how long it'll take, probably several decades, I guess, as these systems get more and more, um, you know, hard to differentiate from a human being doing whatever they're tasked to do. But uh, I think, you know, we'll have to change laws, we'll have to make laws more clear. Uh, and that could be something that these, uh, you know, the... Uh, uh, Plaintiffs here in in the class action lawsuit could come back and and say, well, the agreement that I signed on Facebook when I created an account never said anything about my information being used for an AI model, which again, you know, does that fall on the social media website um, or open AI? But uh, one thing interesting, and uh, this this will be I, I think you'll really, I'll really be enjoying to see what your opinion is on on these examples. So speaking, I, of I don't have many opinions, John. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm not a very opinionated person. Go go for it. All right. So uh, I came across a, uh, I guess it's a white paper. I'm not sure what the the technical name is uh, from the Congressional Research Service. Uh, so the Congressional Research Service, as the name suggests, is, uh, you know, informing legislative debate since 1914. Actually, that's their tagline. <laughs> so wow. so you if you didn't know, any, now you know. <laughs> wow. Do you think any of those authors or writers are still part of the group since 1914? Uh, I would bet they probably uh, retired or or maybe beyond that. <laughs> At this point, <laughs> it, they they life cycled out. They've life cycled out. They've life cycled out. But nevertheless, whoever's working there now has clearly got an ear to the ground in terms of what's going on in the AI space. Uh, so I came across a paper uh, that was referenced in uh, one of these articles uh, about the class action lawsuit. And the paper is called "Generative Artificial yeah. Intelligence and Copyright Law." Uh, and it was updated on May 11th, 2023. So you know, it's uh, pretty new. But uh, one of the subsections in this paper goes, do AI outputs, so you know the content that something like ChatGPT is generating when you give it a prompt, do the AI outputs enjoy copyright protection? So it goes on, and I again, I won't read the whole thing, but uh, it gave a couple of... Uh, precedents, I guess, in what copyright law applies to. Now, I will uh, read this explicitly. It says, although the Constitution and Copyright Act do not explicitly define who or what may be an author, quote unquote, 
The U.S. Copyright Office recognizes copyright only in works created by a human being. So again, OpenAI or you know ChatGPT itself was created by a human being, but you know that what it's generating is created by you know the the algorithm uh, that it was trained on uh, with all that data you know prior uh, prior to 2021. So this is the good part. So created by a human being, right? So courts have likewise. This is back to the white paper again. Quote, courts have likewise declined to extend copyright protection to non-human authors. For example, appellate courts have held in various cases <laughs> that a monkey who took a series of photos lacked standing to sue under the Copyright Act. Example number one. Example number two, that some human creativity was required to copyright a book purportedly inspired by celestial beings. <laughs> and number three, a living garden could not be copyrighted as it lacked a human author. So those are three actual legitimate cases of copyright law where people are obviously trying to stretch uh, you know, uh, spread the margin pretty thin there on what it applies to. Uh, my favorite one, of course, being a monkey taking selfies. But uh, uh, <laughs> what what are your thoughts? <laughs> I, I'm I'm completely aware of, of of that specific case, and I found humor in <laughs> in that. But you know, in, it's sort of like. Do monkeys count, right? And, and and that they have human, you know, human like like processing. You you could right. argue, but obviously the monkeys lost because they didn't have the correct representation. You know, it it almost leans us towards the line between emotional support animals, as you're aware of that line has been crossed mm. with the example that I think we're both aware of 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 a person using a peacock <laughs> as an emotional support animal trying to get on an airplane, which did not work well, did it, John? I mean, that sounds like an urban legend. Uh, and I feel like it's one of those things that I constantly have to check online to make sure, like, did that really happen? Or is someone just like pushing the envelope in uh, extreme cases? I, again, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a legitimate situation that actually caused an airline to say, we're, you know, this whole thing is over. But yes, yeah, to your point, when Pete, when, when something new comes along, be it AI or, emotional support animals, people will find a way to push the boundaries as far as possible. And if you do not allow those boundaries to be pressed, then, you know, maybe like we're seeing with this class action lawsuit, which again, I don't think holds much ground. And based off of the uh, white paper that I just referenced, you know, we already have three, three precedent cases uh, <laughs> against monkeys, celestial beings, and living gardens as not being things that can hold a copyright. So now do we have AI models or GPT, GPT models, maybe more specifically transformer models? Uh, something needs to be there, but I think they should have maybe delayed this, this until they had a little bit uh, better facts uh, in place, um, you know, as evidence. I agree, John. And there are, comes a time when you have to question the source of the information that comes out. You have to question 
you know, was it a cheat, you know, was it acquired in a legal method? And if we talk about web scraping and yeah. we talk about making web, web scraping illegal, then we might as well turn off Google. We might as well turn off what will be the new emergence of Yahoo. They're re, they're reemerging if you haven't noticed. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and other likes of this into the next generation of, of public content. And it's going to be very difficult to, you know, to regulate what we call AI. It's going to be very difficult to regulate where data privacy laws are when it comes mm -hmm. to things that are publicly spout. And I understand my social security number, that's not publicly posted with any intention. So there's a line of demarcation. I get that. But right. a picture of myself on LinkedIn is publicly out there. I, if I didn't want people to see it, I shouldn't post it. That's that's sort of the line I'm I'm going to hold as the average common thinker. And I really want to thank our friends at what did OpenAI do this week to opening up this topic for us to discuss. And I, I look forward to uh, maybe our next uh, channel of opportunity to speak about similar topics, what OpenAI did this week again. What do you think, John? I am all for it. I don't think we're going to run out of content uh, in this field because they're adding new stuff every day. It's hard to keep track of it all. So uh, absolutely. Thank you to our, our sponsors and uh, we enjoy your content. We'll keep more coming. Thanks. And that's a wrap for the Unriveted Crew.